is the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network podcast. I'm Krista Hoke, and we are really glad to have you with us. We hope you'll enjoy our show as we talk about healthy leadership that we believe is best expressed and most effective through influence. Are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Rick Shields, and I'm joined with my friend, colleague, and co-host, Mike Atkinson. Together, we direct the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network. We're also happy to have Gary Webb, the founder and director of OCJ Kids in Phoenix, Arizona, with us today. We're going to chat with Gary about their ministry to foster kids within the community and how their teams work to meet needs not previously addressed. While he says he doesn't see himself as a leader, we'll let you decide if that's true or not. Gary, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. So glad to be here and see you again, Rick. Gary, it's good to see you again, too. Thank hey, you. allow me to briefly introduce you to our listeners. Gary and Tammy Webb live in Phoenix, Arizona. They currently serve on the Assemblies of God Compassion Missionary Council, serving communities across America. The ministry they direct, OCJ Kids, currently partners with the faith community and child welfare officials in Arizona, Oregon, South Texas, Mississippi, and Louisiana. Gary, is there anything there that we missed? No, we just added a couple of new states, Washington and Kansas. But other than that, everything is good. Wow. And you're you're married to Tammy and you have some kids. Yes, we have three kids. Um, it's amazing how that they're the age they are because I'm still 35. Yes. But, of yeah, course. we have a, we have a boy that's uh, 32, a girl that's 29, another one that's 23. And do do I think you're a grandparent? Is that right? I am. We just are so excited. Just had a grandbaby two years ago. She's already got grandpa whipped, so it's kind of all good. <laughs> good for you, buddy. Good for you. Gary, the premise of Doorways Leadership and Influence Network is that influence is an expression of healthy leadership, and leadership is best measured by its influence. Uh, we feel like we don't own that concept that, in fact, John Maxwell states simply, leadership is influence. So how do you see the correlation or the context of influence and leadership working together? I think how they work together is everything just kind of cycles. Uh, one depends upon the other and builds upon each other. I don't think it's a destination that you have arrived at. I think it's leadership is continuing to learn, continue to grow. Um, I always say that for me, I don't necessarily have a definition of what leadership is. I don't say, I don't see myself necessarily as a leader, but I think it's what you do and how you respond to, whether it be a crisis, whether it be uh a good thing, a bad thing, a staffing issue, how do you respond and how do you move forward in whatever you're doing? And I don't know how much time I have, but it's kind of like with when we started going into COVID, there was a lot of things going on with COVID in our organization. We saw the stars in the sky saying, we better do something because I think our country is going to shut down. So let's come up with a contingency plan before everything hits. So that as it hits, we are already aware of where we're going, what we're going to do, how we're going to respond. So we had everything in place so that we could continue to, to move forward. And we never shut down doing COVID. Obviously, we picked up during that time, but we kind of saw something coming and said, how do we address that? How do we respond to that? And I think that's kind of what leadership is, is seeing it and be able to respond no matter what the circumstance you're facing. Now, you said, though, you don't see yourself as a leader. That's interesting to me because you lead an org- how many employees, how many volunteers? We have seven employees now, and then we have various volunteer teams, interns that come in and work with our organization on a weekly basis. 
um, students from Grand Canyon University, from Northern Arizona University, and then some of the high schools send their students um, to do their internship with us. So it's pretty difficult to have all those people working with you. They're not the leader. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess. Yeah, I just I I think that I I see myself kind of as a um, team player, a motivator and trying to just hear my team. How do I take the talents and abilities that they have and use them for the benefit for when, like when we have a staff meeting, it's not like I walk in, I'm the leader, I'm the head, this is what we're doing. They know that they have an open table, they have an open mic, and we go in and we just discuss things. What do you guys think? Let's get our opinions, get a consensus. And then, yeah, as a leader, I have to take all those together and say, okay, this is the plan we're going forward. But I guess that's why I say I don't necessarily see myself as a leader. I've never been a leader my whole life. Uh, except when God called me to do what he called me to do. So I, I think it's just, again, saying, okay, I've been put in this situation. How do I respond to it? I think that sometimes uh, we should realize that as leaders, we're really coaches and yeah. we have players and they're the ones really doing the work, but the coaches have a chance to step back and see how everybody's all working together and maybe see some of the obstacles in front of them that they might not be able to see where they're positioned on the field. So I understand what you're saying about not necessarily being a leader, but I assure you, my friend, you are. Yeah. You have to lead because if you don't lead, as, as I always say, where there's a lack of leadership, chaos will follow. Working with personalities, working with people, working with things. Uh, Cause you know, you got personalities when you come into the office and people are going to butt heads, people are going to have disagreements and you just got to go in and solve those. And I find myself, I think, sometimes leading my staff or leading the organization because you've got to continue to to deal with people and personalities and conflicts that they're going through. Gary, you guys have got a great website. I was looking at it just last night, ocjkids.org. And I encourage our listeners to go to the website, see what they do. And, hey, send them some support. They need all the help that they possibly can get. Take just a minute, if you would, and tell us a little bit about what you're really doing, because we've alluded to it, but tell us. When we started, it's kind of our motto still is we looked at the foster care industry. And everyone, we saw this huge need. Kids were coming into foster care without basic essentials. And the state did not provide a lot of basic essentials, which I thought as a state they would. So kids are coming in without pajamas, diapers, and wipes, without stuff to get rid of lice. They were coming in um, without food sometimes clothing, and it was just snatch and grabs. And it seemed like everybody was trying to help and work with kids that were already in a foster family. And they already had that family support. And I said, well, really, what's the big elephant in the room here? And that is most people aren't going to be able to foster and adopt. That's just because of their status, because of their home situation, their financial situation, whatever that may be, most people are not going to foster and adopt. But with the need out there, can we provide opportunities where every age group, every person, no matter who you are, can do something and get involved in some way? And so we just started going to the state. We started going to our foster group homes and saying, let's identify the need. How do we fill that need? And then take that need back to the community and say, how do we rally the community to meet the needs, whether it's in child protective services, whether it's in a directly to a foster kid, whatever that may look like, maybe a foster family, and then put a program together where we can come in and say, with our expertise, can we guide your church? Say, we're, we're interested in getting involved. We want to get our program up and running. We'll send out a church assessment 
says, where are you guys at? What have you done in the past? All kinds of questions that deals with ministry and outreach and passion and DNA of the church so that we can identify, all right, you guys are doing this well. You're interested in foster care. Here's the areas you say you're interested in. So now OCJ Kid's going to come in with our expertise and say, let's put together a foundation. Let's put together a leadership team. Let's put together a plan and a strategy so that we can do this right and not do it too quick, not do it too slow, do it at the right pace and the right time that flows with the vision of the church. And I think that's real important that we don't come in with another program. We come in with another thing that the church has to do, but we come in and say, we just want to be an inner tube in your river. And I want to float down the river with you and bring what we're doing. So that's kind of in a nutshell what we do. So we intersect the foster kids from every point, from the very second they're removed from their home to four years after they age out with mentors, resources, programs, tools for them to succeed and excel in every area of life. Yeah, God's amazing. He's done more than we'd ever expected um, you know, Rick knew me back in college, so he's probably shocked that we're at this point. <laughs> so it has to be God. <laughs> I'm proud of you, buddy. I am Thank so you, proud man. of you. I really am glad to have had a part in all of that. My wife, Sheila, and I were explaining a roller coaster ride to some friends. I was surprised to hear her explaining an exact opposite direction of the barrel roll at the end of the ride than I had seen. So I corrected her. It didn't turn counterclockwise, it turned clockwise. She looked at me in disbelief and said, no, it didn't. It went clockwise. My attempt to correct her a second time met with equal resistance. Now, how is it possible that two intelligent people could describe the same event completely the opposite way the other did? And that's the day that I learned the power of perspective. My explanation was as an observer on the platform where I stood watching the roller coaster. Hers was based on experience as a rider on the roller coaster. And interestingly enough, we were both right. You see, you can't grasp another's perspective without their experience. You may not have to walk a mile in their sandals, but it may be good to take a few steps back before assuming that your point of view is the only possible answer. dealing with others is such a huge component of, of leadership. So that kind of leads us to one of our initial questions. And that is, what do you think is the most important principle uh, for successful leadership influence that you would share? I'd probably say the main thing is, is we continue to learn. I, I think as a leader, I've got to learn what's happening, learn what's going on um, around me and, and how do we continue to grow and how do we adapt I've seen in our, especially a nonprofit organization, everything changes. We're working with the Department of Child Safety, constant change of regulations and the way that they operate and how we partner with them, working with churches and working with pastors. There's constantly kind of an adapting of what you do and how you do it. So I say just always be open to learning, always be opening up to adapting. When I go into a church and obviously work with kids in foster care and I try to equip churches to work with foster kids in their area and work with child protective services in their area. I go in with a, a plan, but not a model. And I think, again, we're, we're willing to go in and just say, hey, we're here to equip you, but it's got to be adaptive to your city. It's got to be adaptive to your culture, um, your area, and how the people respond to that. So I think as a leader, if I'm not continually able to adapt, to grow, in a sense, be Gumby, I'm kind of dating myself with that. 
we're going to be behind the eight ball. And uh, I think we have to have know who we are. You got to know who you are, where you're going, what you're doing, and be confident in who you are as a leader. But then at the same time, be willing to adapt and change and to grow. And I, I think the second thing is just stay in your lane. Um, God's called us to a specific area. And I think sometimes that the tendency and the pull is to, well, Gary, why aren't you doing this in the foster community? Why aren't you doing this in the foster community? It's like, well, that's not our sweet spot. That's not our lane. And I see a lot of leaders getting out there and trying to do everything. And the next thing you know, they don't do anything well. And they're doing a lot of little things and out here doing this, but they're doing things that aren't their, their emphasis, their focus. And so we try to just do one thing, do it well. And then if people come to us and say, hey, do you do this and this? Say no, but I can refer you to a great partner who does great in that area. You so, know, people often want you to pick up their vision and run with it because it looks like you've got something going and like, wow, they're the people who need to do this, not me. But yet it's a vision that that they have. So I completely agree with you. Stay yeah. in your lane, do what you do, do it well, and let others do their thing. Because right. God's called us all. We're He talks to us about being a body and and uh, each body has many parts. So I'm glad you found the, the role that you play and you do it well. But I'm pretty confident because I've been around the block a few times that there have been times that things didn't go so well, probably been some times when it just fell apart. So we think, by the way, Mike and I believe that that failures give us opportunities, that we have to grow from them and not just turn away from them. But to do that well, we probably need somebody in our life who's influencing us in the middle of those failures. Can you talk about a time that things didn't go so well? And was there somebody who really directed you during that time? Um, yeah, I've, I, I'm kind of a unique model because throughout my life, uh, my, my mom and dad split up when I was really young. My stepfather wasn't really an influence and I didn't really have a lot of people in my life that that were regular leaders, people I could get on the phone with every once in a while and call, people like you, Rick, that we've called, talked about certain issues. But I never had somebody that's there to say, I, I'll help you be there for you and walk you through whatever. So I think we just kind of had to learn on the on the, on the cuff and the, and the rise and just kind of do all that we need to do, talk to people, get influenced, surround ourselves with pretty good board members. Hey, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We hope it's encouraging for you. If so, please make sure to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. On behalf of all of us at Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, remember that we are better when we grow and learn together. Until next time, grace and peace to you. Hey, friend, that's our show for today. If you enjoyed the content or would like to hear future podcasts, please subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. On behalf of Mike Atkinson, Rick Shields, and our amazing Doorways Leadership and Influence Network partners, this is Krista Hope saying thanks for listening.